You're listening to the McPherson College Coaches Show on 96.7 FM KBBE or at midkansasonline.com. This is your chance to hear from the McPherson College coaches and student athletes each week during the sports year. The McPherson College Coaches Show is brought to you by JAR Performance Automotive, Alliance Agency, Next Tech Wireless, and Cheatham Construction. Here's Jim Joyner and Steve Sell. Welcome into our McPherson College Coaches Show tonight on 96.7 FM KBBE or in any of the many ways that you could be listening or watching this Coaches Show. I'm Jim Joyner and joining me as always is the most popular man in McPherson at McPherson College, McPherson High School, McPherson Stadium, sometimes even the McPherson County Courthouse, Mr. <laughs> Steve Sell. We're excited. Everything continues this week. It's kind of been coined as Tabor week because it feels like every single team is playing Tabor this week, but a big week for Bulldog Athletics. Yeah, it really is. And of course, McPherson and Tabor have a, a long standing tradition. Uh, you know, in the proximity, they're only about half an hour apart. Um, and it's always great competition between the schools. Coming up on our coaches' show tonight, we have Bulldog football coach Jeremiah Fiscus, we have volleyball coach Corey Cahill. We also have cross-country coach Kendra Clay, and we've even thrown in a few basketball coaches for this week. Josh Nichols on the women's side, TJ Eskelton on the men's side, and then we have interviews from two soccer players for the Bulldogs, Bianca Avila as well as Carlos Reyna. We have a full show tonight, Steve. It really, is jam-packed. Really do, and a lot of interesting comments from these coaches. That's right. So without further ado, here is football coach Jeremiah Fiscus. Joining us on our McPherson College Coaches Show here tonight is McPherson College football coach Jeremiah Fiscus. As the Bulldogs are off to an 0-3 start to the season, they are coming off of a nine-point loss at Bethel in week number three, going on the road for the first time in KCAC play. How do you think your team stands here three weeks into the season, and what are some of the goals that you have put in front of this team going forward to try and finish the season strong? Well, you know, I think we're in a good place still in terms of the program, the culture, the work we're getting out of the kids, the effort they're putting in, and it's not really set a goal going forward for the season. It's the same thing that we've talked about since the day I got here, and that's just get better every day. Like, we need to get off to a faster start. That's obvious because we keep spotting people 14 points. Um, you know, we got to start a little faster and execute better, and we've got to quit waiting for something good to happen and just go make it happen. Like, that's kind of the deal is, is – um, We've got to get, you know, some of the the unsuredness if we can play with somebody because they can play with, with whoever they need to, you know. And it always seems to be a big play that gets you going And against Bethel on Saturday, Brett Sykes with the punt return for a touchdown. Uh, you could just see the sideline get excited. You were down 21-3 at the time. And uh, basically the second half uh, you guys kind of got in a score-for-score score situation, but Brett Sykes really gave you – uh, a, a lot of momentum with a real exciting punt return because he broke several tackles on that play. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it the whole time and just kept keep repping it and repping it and repping it. And, um, you know, it's not a secret that Brett's an explosive guy. I mean, he plays – he's playing really good defense. He could, you know, he's one of those kids that's really football smart and really explosive. He could probably come over and be a, a really good slot receiver if we asked him to. I mean, he, you know, he understands it and he does a good job with it. And, you know, we – Saturday, you know, one one really, really good thing was, uh, you know, the special teams were special. I mean, you know, on our punt block slash punt defense, we had a score or return for a touchdown. We had another big return um, in a punt safe situation by Zane Hickey. And then 
we, you know, when we punted the ball, we've got the ball back. So yeah, you had um, a, like a, like a seventy-one yard punt, I believe it was. Yeah, and then the the Bethel uh, return man. Knocked uh, it back in knocked bounds. It back. Yeah. yeah, it was going out of bounds. He knocked it back in. You guys recovered and scored moments later. It's those kind of things that, uh, uh, you know, you got to take advantage of. But, uh, again, uh, this is a football team that always fights to the end. Uh, I know you're getting tired of moral victories, but uh, when you were down 21-3, it could have been a situation where you just kind of checked it in and said, we'll look at next week. But you guys didn't. And and we always talk about the big play potential of this team. You had a lot of big plays. You look in the passing game. I think Ben Nickel had like a 46-yard reception. Iman McNeil, a 31-yard reception. Tevin Nash had, uh, Tevin a Nash had the 70. Touchdown. I was Yes, yep. and that was a – the thing about Tevin Nash, he was so open, I was just worried he was going to – you know, the <laughs> ball – he waited for the ball to get there because he was so wide open. Well, that's – I mean, there were – and, you know, it's not just the big plays. There was also a point in there where we – drove the ball running the football um, you had the wildcat with lamicio hill yeah he's you put the big boy back there and let him do his thing and and uh you know that's that was the thing that was good about saturday um you know one of the takeaways offensively was we we it wasn't just big plays we put together drives where it was you know able to run the ball with some success and and a lot of things you know went with that you know we also executed two two-point conversions that were good um you know, we did a lot of good things. We just got to get off to a better start, you know. And and we, you know, quite honestly, you know, we were a little aggressive on one of our fourth down decisions. I made I made a call that, you know, just trying to get the kids sparked before half, get a drive, you know, a two-minute situation going. And uh, probably shouldn't have done it on the minus side of the field. So seven of those points are directly on me as a head coach. And then we took six points off the board with a touchdown on a broken play to Matari Bodie. And, and had a player, you know, do a crackback block in his whole life, their all of their whole lives. That's been a, you know, an award-winning block, you know, in a in a team meeting, and they changed the rules this year. So we're still, you know, you can't get you hate the situation, but you can't get mad at the kid for being aggressive and playing through the whistle and looking for work and and things of that nature. But we're, you know, it's kind of been the same thing every week. We're right on the cusp, and it's because they will fight. Now we're, you know, there's some attention to detail and discipline things that that uh, you know that we've got to get right, and, you know, Sunday wasn't so fun for some of them. And what people have to realize, this isn't your grandfather's Bethel Threshers. This is a Bethel team that's tied for first place. Uh, I haven't looked at the stats this week. They entered Saturday as the number two rushing team in the country, went over 400 yards against us, and uh, right, they're right there for the championship, and they are the surprise team in the conference. So it is no surprise, uh, you know, Bethel anymore when they win a game. Well, what – what what they do is very very tough you know you only see it so often so often in that in the you know the flex bone option offense um and they had a good plan for us i mean they did they did some things and they they executed it pretty well um you know they still but it all goes the same thing you know we talk about missed assignment we talk about just playing smart football you know when when they when they had broken plays where you could see that their pitch guy was on the wrong side of the field they were minus eight, just like we would be. You know, right. I mean, they, it, it all goes together. It's and when you're playing a team like Bethel, it's who can be more disciplined first. So um, they are, you know, they are a quality, quality football team, and Terry's doing a good job over there. One of Steve's big takeaways from Saturday night was it was a really long game, and I wanted to ask you if you can remember being back on the sideline at TCU when there were a ton of TV timeouts and you're going through the normal breaks. 
How did that compare to that? How does that throw you out of rhythm? I, I just wonder that because I felt like it was long, but then when I go watch a college football game on the on the SEC or Big 12 scale, it doesn't feel quite as long with the TV timeouts. Did do you remember it feeling long? Because Steve, that was his first text to me. This game is <laughs> three really hours long. and forty-five minutes. Uh, well, part of that deal is, you know, just quite frankly, that officiating crew did not really know what they were doing with all of that, and it's new for them too. And they had, well, they're just, you know, they, two or three. They, two they or three had us, you know. Yeah. The whole deal is, you know, and and that they've never, you know, I guess the the closest they've ever been to ESPN sitting on their couch because. <laughs> You know, when when the when the TV timeout official, they have somebody out there that's in a, a different color. That in you know, in big football, it's a red hat. Well, this person had a vest on with a flag, and the fields don't the teams don't take the field till the media is off the field. You know, um, and they had our kids out there standing around for a minute, minute, you know, sixty to ninety seconds. And they were three minute uh, timeouts. Each yeah, time. I mean, it was so you know that I don't think it really throws you out of rhythm, but that you know. By them not knowing how to operate the situation, it, it tacked on extra time. It made it feel longer. You didn't feel it on the sideline. I mean, but, you know, when I was done, my wife said, that is, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's in the same boat as Steve. Yeah, yeah. I was not happy. Yeah. Well, well. one common thing we mentioned with Bethel, and then you throw in Sterling, the other team that you lost to in conference play, they're two of the three undefeated teams so far in the KCAC with Kansas Wesleyan being the other one. I think that's a thing that you can take away from these first two games in the conference as well, that you're right there with two of the best teams in the conference. And now, once you get some of those top-heavy teams off the schedule at the beginning, you have some winnable games coming up here and some teams that I know that you are ready to compete against. You've got Tabor coming to town this week. I believe it's Friends the next week, and then I think Southwestern the week after that. You have some chances to make some statements now after you've got these first three games out of the way. Well, you know, that's – you know the way we look at them is they're all winnable because they are. We've been right there. Um, you know, I think we've lost three games by a combined 20 points or something like that. And of those three teams, they are at this point eight and one. Um, you know, uh, Langston. They lost to Pine lost Bluff. To Pine Bluff, who is a Division One FCS school. Um, and then they, they got after Panhandle last weekend, you know. So we've played good teams, and we're right there. So every game's winnable. We have to do our job. You know, we have to do our job as coaches, and they have to do their job as players. They've got to go out and execute execute the things we're asking them to do the way we're asking them to do it. You look at Tabor this week. Traditionally, they've been a team very much like Bethel and Sterling and their offense, but uh, I haven't seen them on film. But somebody told me they're not running as much of that stuff. Are they a little more open this year? Well, you know, they're they're, and I, you know, I can kind of relate. They had a – their offensive coordinator uh, got a head coaching job late in the summer. Um, so, you know, they had to – they brought one of their alums back that had been coaching junior college football out there in California. So, they're working through some things too. So, they're they're a little bit different because they have a new guy there. Um, a guy that played there knows the system. But, you know, everybody everybody's kind of got their own – I mean, just because you played in a system or coached in a system previously as an assistant or whatever doesn't mean that that's, you know, exactly how you're going to do it. So, they're still – they're working through the other things too, but ever, I mean, anybody can go out and win or lose every weekend, you know. And like I said, when you look at systems, you know, you think of you know in the big college football like the air raid system. You know, Mike Leach has produced about as many head coaches and coordinators, guys that have been under him uh, as anybody ever has. I mean, he's probably as much as Nick Saban, but every one of those guys looks a little bit different, and they all make jokes about you know. He might kick me out of the club because I run the ball too much, <laughs> you know. Just so you know, just because you, you know, 
So they're still working through some things. Yeah, they only scored 14 against Tabor last week, and I think they had 12 against Kansas. Against friends. Or uh, friends. And uh, they haven't been scoring as many points as they traditionally have. They've been, you know, uh, traditionally a very high-scoring team, but this year it's more about their defense. Yeah, they're uh, you know, they're a good defense. They do some things that are really challenging, and, um, you know, they're a good ball club still. I mean, you can't – you know, they're 2-2. Two and two. Um, They're 2-2. Two and two. They're a good ball club, and, and you know – that's always, you know, that's always been a little bit of an unspoken rivalry just via proximity, um, you know. Then there's, you know, there's, you know, there's a pass there with with Tabor. So um, it's always been a bit of an unspoken rivalry. You know, they'll bring they'll bring a they'll bring a tough team over here that's that's ready to fight and always very big and physical up front. Yep, yep. They'll. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They will bring a tough team over here that's ready to get after it. Our kids are gonna have to play well to, uh, you know, they're gonna have to. I mean, they're going to have to play well every week. And, you know, we're a team that's, you know, I think our makeup's good. I think the team character's good. We're just searching for, for that win. We're just, you know, I feel like once we can get over that edge and get into the first win column, I think it will really, really, really start going in another direction quickly. We're hoping for win number one coming up this Saturday night, 7 o'clock, McPherson Stadium. The Bulldogs taking on Tabor. Coach Viscus, best of luck. We'll see you there. Appreciate you, gentlemen. Have Thanks, a good week. Coach. We continue on our McPherson College Coaches Show tonight by talking with Bulldog Volleyball Coach Corey Cahill after a little slower week for you guys because we only had one match and it was a nice 3-0 win over Bethel. How was the environment down in North Newton on Wednesday night last week and how do you think your team played? I know the scoreboard tells me you played pretty well, but your evaluation. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a great great uh, environment to play in. I mean, they did a great job of bringing out a rowdy group of fans. I told you. Um, did they have the little guy running around? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, That's their the, super fan. They got yeah. this little guy that runs around, throws T-shirts into the crowd. Yep. and Popcorn. Leads, leads cheers. And, yeah. Uh, he was at the game uh, this past Saturday, and uh, oh, he was he was pretty active during yeah, the game. Yeah, I mean, he, he got them going, and, and they were a rowdy group of fans. The stands were packed, and – and it was a great environment to play, and it was very similar to our first home match. So it was great to see us kind of play with a lot more intention than we did in that first home match that we had. So with the big crowd, we performed. We performed at a really high level. Um, and overall, we played just really good sound volleyball from start to finish. How much did that non-conference schedule, you played some incredibly tough teams. How did that prepare for you for Bethel? I think it was great. I think that it, it gave us some adversity early on, and it, it showed us what we needed to improve upon. Um, like I said, had we played, for example, that KCAC fall fling to start, we didn't really see the gaps that we had in our team. And, and going into the rest of that non-conference schedule, we started to see those gaps. We started to see the ways that we could improve and, and what we could do. Um, so I think that it was, it was huge for us. Um, and trying to prepare us for this conference schedule. And going into the Bethel match, we felt probably more prepared than we've felt in any match so far um, going in, and we felt confident, and it was just a whole different group out there. So it was great. It looked like your big three hitters, the ones that have been stepping up and have been giving you the most consistency, Riley Bradbury as well as Sydney Burton and Alicia Hall, we had her on last week. It looked like those three were really good against Bethel on Wednesday night as well. Yeah, I mean, they, they're definitely stepping up. I think that we're getting out of this mindset of being role players. I think that we're starting to figure out we can step up and we got to step up and do, the, do our jobs. And, and, you know, overall, I mean, our middles are getting involved. You know, Bree Wallace is doing a fantastic job of serve-receive, helping our offense continue to be, you know, successful. And like I said, the tempos that we're starting to run, we're running it really 
really fast um, to the pins, and that's just increasing our efficiency and making it really hard for teams to stop us. So if we can ball control at the level we're ball controlling at this point and keep running our offense at that tempo, we'll be st- tough to beat. Well, Jamie and Skyler and uh, who's the other one I'm thinking of? Um, Caitlin, Caitlin yeah. they are all just so very steady players and, and do such a great job of setting things up. How do you uh, evaluate their play so far? Yeah, they're doing well. Um, you know, Jamie's just been a consistent rock. And like I said, I always know what I'm going to get from her. She's always positive. She's always in the same mindset, always working hard. Um, Kate and uh, Sky have done the same thing, just stayed really consistent and steady, um, you know, this whole season and, and really worked to not only get better individually, but help the team be more successful. Um, you know, another player that really st- has stood out, especially in the past probably week and a half, two weeks, is Revan Bradbury. Um, she's, you know, playing a three rotation back row DS for us right now. And she is just playing good, sound volleyball. Her service has been impeccable. Her defense has been phenomenal. Um, you know, we've just been overall, everyone has just been playing a really good, solid game. It seems like your team is at a very high level of confidence right now. And I can remember when you had had that one and three stretch, and then I think you'd probably lost four out of five over a stretch. And it felt like maybe the same confidence wasn't there. But after the wins at Benedictine against Benedictine in Grandview, then you throw in the Bethel win. It feels like this team is playing at a different level because of that confidence, at least to me. Yeah, so like uh, something that I've kind of noticed and, and we've kind of noticed is, you know, early on it's, it's, it's less about confidence, more about trust. You know, early on, I, I, you know, if I told them to run through the wall, they would have said, well, why? Or how do I, what if I can go around the wall? They wouldn't have said, okay, no problem. And now it's a matter of I tell them to run through the wall and they'd say, okay, how fast, how hard. <laughs> um, I think that we've, we've broken through the wall and, and they've realized what it's going to take. And I think as a whole group, we've kind of broken through that wall and, and figured out what it's going to take to get to where we want to go. Well, as you take a look at some of – I wanted to ask you a little bit about your recruiting and what – I don't know the flow of volleyball recruiting as well. I know with football that they're constantly kind of monitoring. And for you, it's the same thing with following a season that is happening at the same time as yours. How do you guys handle recruiting? How do you go about that? As I think people would find that interesting to learn a little bit about insider volleyball recruiting. Yeah, so, I mean, it just depends on the year. Um, you know, I'm always keeping my eye open. I'm always trying to find, you know, the next best player that's going to help us win. Um, you know, Do you get tell, a chance to go out all that often? In in my season, I normally don't. Um, it's, it's pretty sporadic when it comes to, you know, in season. When I'm in season, I'm in season. I'm, I'm bought into in season. It's a lot of just communication via email, the phone, stuff like that. The majority of the recruitment comes in the spring, in the summer. Um, you know, I already have seven commitments for the 2020 wow. class. And how many um, seniors are you going to have to replace off this year's Graduating team? five. Okay. Um, so seven commits for 2020, probably going to bring in at least a couple more, um, probably be at eight, nine um, by the time next fall rolls around. What's an ideal roster? Because I think you do play some JV matches. Is that correct? We no longer play JV. Okay. Um, we've just held a big varsity roster, just making it super competitive. Uh, kids got to earn their spots on the travel roster first, and then they earn their spots onto the court after that. So it's just been a really hyper-competitive environment. Um, you know, we're holding – right now we have 24 girls in the roster. Um, we'll probably stay in that range um, for the most part, maybe a little bit bigger next year because we graduate, I think, 12 after next year. Um, so maybe inflate the roster a little bit this coming fall just to kind of help with that big loss of senior class. Are, you, the, are you more of a junior college guy or high school guy? I mean, some, some coaches go with the philosophy, I want those four-year players, but you, junior college players can come in and give you that immediate help. 
So for me, I want the best player that's going to help me. Okay. So whether that's junior college, whether that's a four-year player, I mean, or they've I, been sitting at home doing nothing for the last five years, and yeah, you can pull them out. Yeah, I mean, or for, a, like a D two transfer or D one transfer. Yeah, from, sometimes there's girls that think they're uh, Division one. They go, they don't end up getting the play. They get discouraged. They want to go somewhere where they can play and have a lot of success. Yeah, for me, I mean, the biggest thing is just finding those players that not only fit the talent that I need, but also the culture, you know, the community, the the team that we're building, the family that we're building. And and so regardless of age, regardless of experience, I'm just trying to find the, the best fits for us. Um, my entire seven right now are all freshmen. Um, so I have seven freshmen committed for next year. Um, you know, I might pull in a transfer. Potentially, I might pull a couple more freshmen. It's just who's going to fit best to help us win next year. Well, it is Tabor week. As sports information director Jeremy Nelson has told me, there are a lot of Bulldogs against Blue Jays matches coming up this week. And coming up tonight, Wednesday night, when we're airing this, you guys will be taking on Tabor at the Sports Center, 7 o'clock. So we're going to try and air this at like 6.20 to give people a little bit more time to say, wow, now I know about volleyball recruiting. I'm going to go out and watch them at the Sports Center. Here's your 60 seconds to preview this upcoming match and, and what you want to see from your girls tonight. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is just to go in with that same mindset, this competitive mindset, the drive, just to know that we're going to play on our side of the net regardless of what they do. If we can execute our game plan, if we can do what we need to do on our side, then we'll come out with the, with the W, and, and I think that we know that um, going into it. They're an improved squad. They've definitely improved. Marshall's done a really great job. He's a first-year head coach there as well, and he's done a really good job with the group that he has. Um, so it's just a matter of us going in and playing our game, and if we can do that, then we'll be just fine. Tabor was one of the longtime staples in the KCAC several years ago. They really uh, took advantage of having Mound Ridge nearby because they got a lot of Mound Ridge girls, I know, uh, that really helped them. But uh, like you said, they have fallen back just a little bit, but it's McPherson-Tabor. You can throw the records out the window. For sure, yeah. I'm excited to see what we do. And, and like I said, I think that they're, they're an improved team from last year. I think this whole this – whole, uh, Conference has improved from last year, and so I know a few years ago Tabor was a powerhouse, and they've dropped off a bit, but I think that they're on the upswing again, and I think that it's a matter of we got to go out and play our game. Well, Coach Cahill, best of luck. 7 o'clock tonight at the Sports Center. We'll see if we can send a few people out to the Sports Center to see you guys play. I think they're going to hear this and say, you know what, I need to get out there. I've got my red shirt in the closet. I'm going to go put it on. There Sounds good. Thanks. Okay. We continue on our McPherson College Coaches Show, and we will talk with a member of the Bulldog women's soccer team. That is Bianca Avila. Welcome yes. here, Bianca. And I wanted to learn a little bit about your journey to McPherson College. You are from the great state of California, yes. Rancho Cordova, which for those of you that don't know, right outside of Sacramento. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about how you got here to McPherson. Um, I played two years at a junior college at American River College. And then Mark and Francis recruited me, and now I'm here in Kansas. So American River seems to be a very popular uh, mm -hmm. junior college for Kansas uh conference schools it seems like a, if you go down the rosters of a football soccer uh, volleyball teams a lot of athletes how big is American River because it just seems like a lot of athletes come out of that school that play mm -hmm. in the KCAC it's actually a really big junior college I feel like it's bigger than here at McPherson so it's big <laughs> how did your junior college experience compare to being at a four-year school smaller school like McPherson how did that transition work for you, like on the classroom side of things? Um, with the classroom side of things, I'm used to like having a really big class size. So coming here, it was nice because it's more one-on-one -on -one and your professor actually gets to know you. And I really like that. And that's one of the main reasons I actually picked coming here 
because I wanted the small class size and I wanted to get to know everyone in my classroom and like get to know my teacher and be on that like first name basis. Staying on the education theme, what is your major and what are your future goals after you graduate? Um, I'm an elementary education major. Ooh, teacher. So, yes, I want to be a first grade teacher or a kindergarten teacher because I just love kids. And I thought coming here, like, that'd be the best thing for me to do. Well, McPherson College is well known for mm -hmm. producing teachers, too. Uh, we've got a ton of Bulldog alumni who uh, are in the school system. We know one very well, Coach Kinneman. Yeah. Uh, he's, of course, a McPherson College alum. And uh, it just seems like this is a school that really has an emphasis on uh, education and preparing students to be teachers. Uh, uh, like, what are some of the classes you take to prepare to be a teacher? Um, right now I'm in Prince and Strats of teaching, and that's where we learn to write lesson plans and stuff. So I wrote my first lesson plan already hey. on adding and subtracting within 20. There you go. So, yeah, it's a really good. I hope I could pass that. I don't, <laughs> <Right>? I don't know. <laughs> but they definitely prepare you, and they are teaching you what you need to know. It's not just busy work. It's all things that you'll need to know to be a great teacher. I wanted to ask you what your high school, not necessarily high school, but mm. youth soccer, what that was like in the state of California. Because I, I know a lot of girls that played soccer here, and I knew mm -hmm. kind of what the, the prep journey is, the club teams, and what you had to do, how much you had to travel. Did you pretty much only play in Northern California? Did you get to go down to Southern California? Did they come to you? Mm -hmm. it, I, I, I'm very interested in California and how that all would have worked out. Um, so mainly for where I was at, we would go down to like the Bay Area and place to so like um, Concord, Castro Valley and stuff and play there. But it was mainly like NorCal stays here and SoCal stays down here. So it didn't really intermingle that much for where I was playing. And what was that like in, in terms of your prep circuit? Did you guys go on a lot of different uh, trips and, and maybe go play in Las Vegas for a weekend or did... What, what was your youth soccer experience like? Um, I never traveled outside of, like, California like that, actually. So my, Luckily, there are yeah. enough people there and probably enough teams yeah, to make it easier. There's so many teams down there that you don't really have to travel out of state to find, like, good competition. Just the whole state is really competitive with soccer. Let's talk about the Bulldog women's soccer team. Uh, you, you've wrapped up non-conference play. You guys played a very difficult non-conference schedule. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like? Uh, the team can take away from those really, really tough games that you played heading into conference play? Well, so we have been learning from every game we've played. We've learned and we've gotten better, and so we're ready to take on conference and just get our first win. And What do you feel like you guys – what, what, what do you guys need to do to get over the hump, you think? Because you've been close in several games, uh, and like I say, you've played some really terrific teams, but what's going to get you over the hump and be successful in the KCAC? We are going to score lots of goals, and that's how we're going to win. Okay. That's yeah. a good strategy. Yes. The more goals you score, I think you're going to win. Maybe Carlos could, could show you how to score a few goals. He's had a few this year. He's off to a good start. And what position do you play on the field? Um, I'm a center back. Okay. Yes. So what is that in – Jim knows Jim's a soccer <laughs> defense, Steve. But, but yes. I okay, but see I'm not a real well versed in soccer, so mm -hmm. it's the middle of the defense. She's yeah. in charge. You're in charge. I'm in charge. Okay. I gotta be the leader back there. Okay. She'd be Help like the defense. shortstop. Okay. Shortstop or center fielder. All right. That make enough sense? it clear as mud. I wanted to ask you, Bianca, what would be something that if you went home and told some of your friends and family and said, Oh, this is something about McPherson, Kansas that you won't even believe. What is something that you think you could tell them and they'd be like, no way. Is that really what they do? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, 
I don't know. I just love the small town vibe here. Maybe it's, it's that they we're all great drivers. Oh, uh, I guess you guys are. You drive really slow here. <laughs> you see, there you go. You say, Mom, like they go 33 miles an hour in a 35. It's yeah, different. it's crazy. I'm used to going fast, and then I come here, and I'm like, oh, everybody drives really slow. Okay. <laughs> it's a little different. Do you get to drive here? Or do you fly? Um, I flew here, So, but all of my friends and my roommate, she has a car, so... I drive her car sometimes. There you go. Well, Bianca, good, good luck the rest of the way. Coming up for you guys, I know you've got Tabor, which is tonight, yes. as in this Tuesday, even though this is airing on a Wednesday. So it's kind of weird. We're going to know what happens whenever this airs. <laughs> but good luck tonight, and then coming up on Saturday is a game against Southwestern. Yes. We continue on our McPherson College Coaches Show as we talk with Carlos Reyna of the men's soccer team here for the Bulldogs. Carlos, your coach, Doug Quint, he's done a great job the last few weeks, but I think he said he needs a week off. I think he wants to turn it over to some players, so you'll have to do a really good job stepping in for your coach because I think he's maybe been our favorite interview, Steve. He's our best-looking interview maybe as well. <laughs> yeah. So I think we've got to have some big-time production for you, but we're glad to have you on today. You. What have you thought about this 2019 fall season so far? It's, um, it's been a lot of uh, just hard work. You know, uh, that, that, that's something that we emphasize on every day, every training session. We, we have one goal in mind, you know, that's just to win it as many games as possible. And, you know, just, just to work together uh, for, you know, for, for the conference plays. So far, we've had a pretty tough season preseason but we've been working really hard this week just uh for the opener against Tabor so. you talk about that uh tough start Bulldogs two and three coach Quint though really schedules uh really tough non-conference games what do you feel like you can take from those games and what do you need to improve moving forward when you open conference play tonight no um it's really good to play uh, against tough opponents because that gives us, uh, like you know, like what we're good at and what we're not good at, and what we need to work on the the, the most. And uh, uh, it's important to play those games, you know, because it challenges everyone. Uh, it's not just uh, just one player on the field; it's eleven of us. So uh, everybody has to work together to overcome tough opponents. What would you say you've been good at so far? Uh, we've been very good at. Uh, Defensively, uh, just you know, uh, when when the pressure's on us, we've been able to uh, j just hold it down. Uh, we're still struggling a little bit on, on offense, but we're we're definitely getting it there. Well, one thing I know, when uh, I've written up the stories at midkansasonline.com, name Carlos Reyna comes up a lot in the scoring. Obviously, yeah. offense is your thing. Yeah. How do you feel like uh, you've played so far this season? Um, I think I've had uh, a pretty decent preseason I mean uh, I, I'm never satisfied if that's the thing with me uh, I, I always I want to achieve more but uh, you know uh, um, it's all in the teamwork you know uh, I, I wouldn't be able to get the like the goals without uh, like my team helping me and everything so it's just it's just a team game well Carlos coach Quinn has told us several times that he had to work very hard to get you here that he was constantly getting a hold of you while you were at Pratt Community College what was your relationship like with Coach Quint and your recruiting process here to McPherson? No, uh, I, I've I've known Doug Quint since uh, since I was young, uh, really. And then like, at, and then once I got to high school, I just uh, I, in the summer league here, I would come here every summer and just uh, just just play here in the men's league, and we would always uh, chat with each other, you know, and just and just get to know each other a little bit better. And uh, he, 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 would, uh, he would try to convince me to sign here, but I, I decided to go the Juco way just because I felt like I needed that experience first before I got into this level. And, uh, yeah, I did, I did two seasons there at Pratt 
community college. And then uh, before the second semester hit, I, uh, I decided to transfer here in the spring. So, and I think I made a really good decision. Describe the difference in the talent level from junior college to the KCAC, two-year school to a four-year school. Is the style different or the level of the, the talent? Uh, is there much difference in the talent or is it just a continuation? Uh, in the JUCO level, there's definitely a lot of talent. It's just, uh, I, I believe it's just the, the speed of play. You know, uh, at, at this level, you, you just got to be just three steps ahead, two, three steps ahead, uh, just to be able to, to just be better than someone and uh, the competition here is just it's just very high just much higher than than at a juco level i believe um but no uh, at the juco level there's a lot of good talent that's for sure i was going to ask you now that i know that you've been on campus a little bit more i was going to ask you how aware you were of mcpherson college being from hutch but it's pretty clear that you were very aware did you ever see yourself going here as a high schooler or maybe when you were in middle school and thinking yeah i'll go to school in mcpherson oh no, yeah uh even in high school i i i I love the tradition here, the just the whole family tradition here. Uh, just after high school, I wanted to transfer here as well, but I, uh, you know, I, I didn't make that decision. And uh, but uh, I, I've I've always paid attention, had a close eye on McPherson. The the soccer program has always been really good here. The history and everything. Uh, it's just the the talent that Doug brings in. Uh, it's just it's just very good here. And I, I just love that family tradition here as well. How has school life been in terms of the academic side, transferring from the junior college level to McPherson at the NAI and four-year level? Uh, it's uh, at the JUCO level. Um, I, I I did uh, in school. I, I did I did pretty well. And here uh, at the NAI level, it's just uh, just more work. It's just a, a lot harder work, I believe. You know, you, you're just you, you're just always doing more. Of more work in school. It'd be bad for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just more work. So, well, and what are you? What are you studying? Uh, what's your major? And uh, what, you, what would you like to do after you leave McPherson College? I'm I'm hoping to become a physical education teacher. Uh, so right now I'm t I'm taking uh, teaching classes, and that's going really well. So, it's a good way to do it. Yeah. All right, Carlos. Well, best of luck. You've got Tabor tonight, which, for those of you listening on Wednesday, means yesterday. But then you've got Southwestern coming up on Saturday. So best of luck as you begin KCAC play this week. Thank you. We will continue now on our McPherson College Coaches Show by talking with cross-country coach Kendrick Clay. You had the week off, and so you decided to dress down and be right here with us. You're trying to match us, and so we feel a little bit better about that. How did your team like the week off without racing? I know you raced on Saturday, but the time off, how did that help your team? Um, it kind of helps you refocus, kind of reflect a little bit, but also it gives you time to adapt to the training and racing load that you've had. And, and, uh, that's what the name of the game is. It's not whether you're willing to do the work, it's how you recover from the work. So having that week off and those planned rest periods is pretty important. The last time we talked with you, you said you were really battling some injury situation, uh, update on those. Um, we're seeing some progress. Uh, our training staff does a great job. Um, they put in a lot of time, and uh, they've really helped us address. It's, it's mostly overuse, common running ailments that happen with young, uh, younger runners that maybe aren't as experienced. And, you know, Is it like shin splints and yeah, things like that? Yeah, pretty common stuff. Uh, IT band, uh, tendonitis, um, some Achilles, sore uh, you know, calf muscles from racing on uneven surfaces, pretty common stuff. Um, there are some freak things that happen, but, um, you know, we've really pushed our kids. Our training staff does a good job of pushing our kids to mentally, you know, uh, 
take on the psychology behind those injuries and work through them. So the kids have done a good job with that too. Well, last weekend you guys were at Bethel. The men took fifth out of seven. The women were fourth out of sixth or fourth out of six. Tell me a little bit about that race and how you thought your team raced after, what, 10 or 14 days off. Uh, yeah, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, pack running, and, you know, it's pretty pretty simple to figure it out. If you, if you want to finish in the top half of the field, your five scoring runners need to finish in the top half of the field. And really right now, um, you don't want to single anyone because it is a team effort. Um, but we have kind of a tale of two cities, if you will, where half of our team is going one direction and really training and racing towards improving, and the, and the numbers show that, the finish times and the placings and everything else. And then we have about half of our team that's kind of content, and they're not pushing out of that comfort zone. And really what's happened is our, our, what, the work of our four, top four scoring runners is being negated by our fifth runner. The gap is too large. And the challenge for our program, and I posed that challenge to him yesterday in our Monday practices, it's time. Somebody has to figure out if they want to be here. And the numbers show that there are athletes on both the men's and women's side that are capable of filling that role and being closer to our fourth runner. You, st- you still have a ways to go until uh, you get down kind of the postseason. But uh, I know St. Mary's always strong. Uh, how's York the- was at this last mm-hmm. Bethel race. Yeah, right? and how, how, how's the KCAC breaking down you that know, you've seen so What's far? really interesting about this sport is that the, the success follows the numbers. Programs that have healthy, significant participation have success, um, and it's it's really it's really simple. And and uh, Coach um, Carver up at York has done a great job too. I think he brought in ten new faces uh, this fall, and and uh, he, he and I talked before the race, and and it it is a numbers game. And when you start to get twelve, thirteen, fifteen athletes on your team, at least you start having more success. Um, St. Mary's obviously had a very big recruiting class, and it's funny how that snowballs on you when you have success like they've had, and they are arguably, they're easy, they're ranked, obviously, in the top three in the country, and they deserve that. We talked with Coach Cahill about this, but you have a season going on, but at the same time, the high school season's going on. Mm -hmm. How do you balance coaching your team but also looking to recruit for next year's team? Well, you know, the great thing about cross-country is that a lot of it is sheer volume and, and just running miles, if you will. There are specific workouts that I need to be there to monitor, but those kids need to learn the self-direction. So there are, there are going to be times when they're training, and either Coach Alexander, our head track coach, is going to help me monitor that, um, or the kids are going to have to take you know, ownership themselves while I'm out recruiting. And that's already occurred. You know, I've been in Nebraska um, – our off weekend, I was at Wamigo at that pre-state meet mm-hmm. on that state course and talked to oh, almost two dozen coaches um, to get my face out there and get our name out there again. And you don't have to leave town Thursday because no. McPherson High has their annual invitational. At Wall Park it's, is the course now. It's no longer out at uh, Rolling Acres, but at Wall Park, and there will be a lot of teams and a lot of runners that I'm sure you'll want to check out. Yeah, and uh, it's nice to kind of meet the coaches so they can kind of put a, a face with a name if they get an email or a letter and and you, you kind of work through the high school coaches because they want to know more about your training philosophy and how you want to operate before they're comfortable guiding their kids to your program. And McPherson so. high coach Aspen Lott was Aspen Fry as a McPherson College Bulldog and I mm-hmm. think her photo is one of the ones on the wall. Yeah. She is one of the all-time 
great runners in McPherson College history, and now she is the cross-country coach, so maybe a little pipeline at some point could develop there. That'd be great. I mean, obviously, we have Isaiah Moyer running for us this year, right. uh, one of her former runners, and uh, you always like to keep the local talent home. This is obviously a, a talent-rich community that's, you know, very athletics-driven. You can kind of see it by the support that every sport program has when they host a home contest, and that's great. That's fantastic. This is a great community. Well, and Tabor Week continues on the cross-country side. It's not just volleyball or football or soccer. Cross-country as well at the Cottonwood Challenge in Hillsboro coming up on Saturday. What are some of your expectations for this upcoming meet? They relocated their meet due to flooding on their traditional course, so I don't know much about it. It's supposed to be flat and fast. Um, we'll see if we run our full squad. We're still working through those health issues as we talked about. But every race is an opportunity to work on either the whole or at least a component of your race. And right now, again, on both sides, we need some athletes to step up. Hopefully, you know, we, we obviously want our top four to continue to do what they're doing um, and run well and putting themselves in the upper third uh, of, of the field. But we need a fifth runner or sixth or seventh to at least try and stick with them for at least part of the race and then hopefully at the end of the year we do it for the entire race well coach clay best of luck on saturday as you are i think the only mcpherson team a part of Tabor week that has to go on the road to Tabor. yeah i think everybody know, else is at home never mind soccer is also away yeah yeah well i i'm excited i mean we've got some uh folks in the community that here hopefully in the next year or two that we'll be able to host at a permanent cross-country location and, and get a home meet for our, our high school, middle school, and, and our college teams. So kind of excited about that, that eventually we'll have another home meet and I won't be on the road all the time. Continuing on our McPherson College Coaches Show, we're now joined by women's basketball coach Josh Nichols. This is year number two here for you here in McPherson. How has this transition this summer going from year one to year two been different from Year number one where you were still trying to figure everything out. Now you're the most popular guy over here. Oh, obviously I'm the most popular guy. <laughs> uh, but, you know, obviously we, we, we don't have the uh, the move, uh, trying to get the family moved here and, and trying to figure out where my office is and all those little small details that uh, you have to do when you make that transition. Um, so everything is much smoother. Um, had had the full year to recruit, which was nice. And uh, So the transition has been much smoother year two than year one, obviously. Well, you are now a member of the cross-country team, oh, right? Yeah. yeah, 11 miles every Saturday. Every mi- 11 miles every day, that's I, what I heard. Well, yes. You run you, from you Inman to McPherson every day. Yeah, then I get, and a, ride. Back. I get a ride back. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, on the basketball side, as you look at last season heading into this season, your team really showed some great improvement down the stretch. You turned things up. You were beating teams left and right. The pressure was on that – you showed that this is a team that wants to play in-your-face defense. How do you see that style transitioning here into year number two? Do you hope to continue with the same style, or is your personnel a little different and you'll adjust to it? Uh, no, we're going to play the same way. Um, I recruit to the way we play, and I feel like we've got a few better athletes. Uh, we got a little bit longer, uh, a little bit faster, we can jump a little higher. Uh, so I feel great about where we're headed, and we're just going to turn the pressure up just that much more. One thing you did last year is you played a lot of women. You played 10 or 11 every game to keep that pressure on. Uh, what's the rotation kind of number you're looking at for this year? It'll be very similar. Okay. Uh, I feel like we're pretty deep. Um, you know, uh, the competition right now early on in, in our in our uh, 
preseason and then the first couple of days of practice has been extremely, extremely high. So everyone's fighting for those for those minutes. That's what we want. We want the competition. So we're, we're looking at the same type of rotation. Who are some of the girls that are coming back that you think are going to have that immediate role and that you see them immediately stepping in? I know Brittany Roberts. I know Danny Holt. That those are two that you'll lean on a lot, but who are some of the other ones? Um, Mason, Mason Mosley, uh, she um, – Played a lot as a freshman at the point guard spot as a backup. Um, she's you know she's tr- tr- fighting for that starting position this year. Um, really good leader. Uh, does a lot of great things on and off the court for us. Um, you know Brittany Harlow is going to be a senior. Um, she she had a, a big role for us last year as a defender. Getting her more comfortable uh, on the offensive end, and she's she's done that uh, through uh, last uh, postseason through uh, preseason this year. So. Those two right there, and then um, another returner that that actually didn't play last year, but was on the team last year, Monty Gilroy. She probably could have been an X factor for us last year. Had a knee injury that set her out the whole year that could have turned us into a 500 team to maybe a. I think she sat team. next to us uh, yeah. <laughs> at the broadcast table. <laughs> so, you know, having her around is going to be a, a, a big lift for us as well. Now, the thing that everybody wants to know about the Mac College women's basketball team: What do you have coming in? Who did you go out and get? Did you go the JUCO route? Did you go more high school? Who do you have coming in, and how many do you have coming in? Uh, we brought a really good mix in. Um, we have 13 total new players. Um, uh, you know, about ha- about half of those are transfers; the other half are, are all freshmen. So, um, Molly Schulten, I know I was going to butcher the name. Molly, Schulten- I got faith Kirk. in you. Um, a Chuko kid out of St. Louis Community College, uh, good size, about 5'10", 5'11", can surely shoot the ball for us. Um, Brittany Jarvis out of uh, California, another good shooter for us that we brought in. Uh, Victoria Eights out of, um, she's a four-year transfer from uh, out of Dallas. She's uh, going to be really athletic for us, really build a good defender for us on the ball. And coming around offensively, uh, as far as a couple freshmen go, um, Kanaja Upchurch, um, Erica Diaz, they both have come in and just really, really uh, put the pressure on all the returners and all the JUCO kids. I mean, they, and you're not afraid to play freshmen. You showed that last year. I, I think your motto is if they're good enough to play, you'll play them. Absolutely. Um, and that's what I tell them. If, 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 if we're going to play the best players. And, you know, if that's, if that's a freshman, that's a freshman. One, as we take a look to this upcoming season in terms of KCAC teams, Last year was a really good year for KCAC women's basketball. There was a ton of talent from one through six that every team in that range had a chance to win the conference. And it seems like this year again, there are some really good teams that are coming back. I know that Tabor will have a strong group coming back from their run. Sterling was great at the beginning of the year last year. You throw in Bethany, you throw in Kansas Wesleyan. It's going to be another tough year in the conference. What do you want to see this team do to take that next step to getting into the top eight, top six in the KCAC? Uh, more consistency. Uh, offensively, last year was our biggest struggle. We, we did not shoot the ball well from the outside, and you know we, that's what we got to do to be able to make that next jump is be more consistent from the three-point line. Um, you know We can't shoot in the 20s from the three-point line. In, in today's college basketball scene, that's that's – not acceptable. Well, that and rebounding. You're not an overly big team. I'm not sure uh, how much size you have this year. I haven't really looked at your roster, but uh, rebounding the basketball is another key. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before I came here, we were we were on the we led the nation in offensive rebounding. That's what we always want to do. We, we want to be in attack mode all the time. So when that ball goes up in the air, we can't stand there. And well, Brittany stare. Roberts certainly goes after it, and Danny Holt. Yes. So those two they lead the conference in bruises. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, Coach Nichols, best of luck as you get ready for the upcoming season. I know we're excited to be down there with you courtside. Steve and I, we were down there a lot with you last year, but now we get to talk, and maybe you can just listen to us instead of watch the game. Yeah, you know, Steve's trying to make subs all the time. So. That's I, true. I He's going, Harlow, get in there. Come on. What, what are you doing? But we're excited to get this season underway, and I'm sure you'll log 100 or 150 miles before then. Oh, absolutely. All right, we're wrapping up our McPherson College Coaches Show tonight with McPherson College new Bulldog men's basketball coach T.J. Eskildson. How has this first summer been for you in terms of taking over the reins from Coach Sportsendruber, the recruiting process of that, and then obviously getting ready to play basketball here in about a month? Yeah, it's been it's been a fun experience. Uh, I think our our guys have been really good. They've been they've been working really hard this fall, getting ready for the season. Um, their effort has just been excellent. Their, their attitudes have been excellent. Uh, Recruiting-wise, I, I feel like we've added a couple pieces that I think will really help us this year. Um, just seeing how they fit with the guys that are returning, we, we, as we have quite a few returners um, coming back, which always helps. Um, but seeing how that fit with them, uh, I think, is exciting for me. After a long time with Coach Schwartz and Druber, now you're in charge. What uh, stamp do you want to put on this program? What could we see maybe different from uh, recent years? Um, I, I think that my goal is to have our team known as a team that's just relentless. Um, uh, I think we're going we're gonna to push the pace offensively a little bit more. Um, defensively, we may change philosophy just, just slightly. Um, but I, I just want us to, to, to be known as being a relentless group that, that plays hard every possession. And any time you play McPherson College, you're in for a dogfight. And our guys are, are – you're going to have to beat us to, 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 to win a game against us. We're not going to beat ourselves. Um, and that's, that's something that I've, been, I've been really preaching to our guys is that we've got we've to kind of take that next step because we've been, we've been really competitive the last few years. Uh, we just have to take that next step and, and, and show that toughness to get over the hump. Talk about the key guys coming back this year. Uh, yeah, uh, Wall Magat's been one that's been, been excellent so far in the fall. Um, expecting a lot out of him, kind of at the four or five position. Uh, Dorian Page, who who got injured last year, and we were actually having a really good year right before he got injured. Um, he's somebody that that's back and healthy right now. Uh, Josh Rivers, who was a freshman last year, started the point after after Dorian got injured. He he's somebody who's who's had a really good fall. Um, Gage McCoy, who was a redshirt for us last year, is somebody who also I think has, has had a really good fall. Um, and then a few of the newcomers, Miles Miles McCrary from Dallas, a freshman. Um, he's had I think he'll bring some athleticism to our team that we haven't we haven't had in that post position the last few years. Uh, and then Cameron Jenkins, a transfer from Iowa Central, uh, is is a shooter and somebody who I feel like could could be a major contributor for us too. Well, as we take a look at the KCAC last year, it was really top-heavy when you had two great teams in Oklahoma yeah. Wesleyan and Southwestern with really great players on those rosters, and they were good. And then there was a definite drop back when you get into the next group. Yeah. How do you see your team making that jump that you mentioned, taking the next step, and moving into the top eight, top six, top four conversation in this league? What does it take? I mean, you've been around this yeah. league a long time. What does this team have to do to put itself into that position? Yeah, I, th I think it's, it's just all about consistency. I mean, uh, we we've been talking a lot about you have to, on a daily basis, you have to have a focus and you have to be ready to play, whether that be in practice and then definitely in the games. Um, but just having the consistency from, from – 
game to game, from day to day in practice, that's that's going to be key to, to getting up towards the top of the league. Um, I think talent-wise in our league, everybody's pretty similar. Um, I think there there obviously there there were a lot of really good players that were graduated last year in our league. Um, I, and I know I've seen some some people that somebody have signed, some people have signed, and they're going to be. Just as talented, I think, but but not maybe not another maybe, Cameron Hunt, yeah, <laughs> or Jordan Murdoch, or Jordan Murdoch, guys who hadn't been in the league for four years, but they'll be really talented. And I'm I'm hoping that we've we've got about three or four guys that have been here for at least two years and have been through the KZAC grind, and hopefully kind of know what to expect and kind of lead our, our newer guys and kind of show them what it's about. So um, I'm I'm pretty confident that 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 we can we can take that next step. And what I've seen of the better teams in the KCAC is their ability to shoot the three, and I know that's something that you've yeah. said you really want to get better at this year. Yep, I do. I, I want us to attempt more threes, and, and within that, obviously make more threes. Just getting them up there isn't a good thing, uh, but but understanding that we need to we need to be able to shoot the ball from, from three-point range, and that's that's the direction of basketball, and that's that's the way our guys want to play, too. We just we just need to make sure we're taking the right ones, and 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 we can we can make a difference in that in that area. What do the next couple of weeks look like for your team in terms of when you can start practicing, when everything really gets going? Because I'm sure you guys are working out and doing some preseason conditioning, but when is the first day and then what happens from there? Yep, for our first official practice is actually this Thursday. So I'm really excited to get going this Thursday. And then we play, um, we'll have our alumni game on October uh, October twelfth uh, over homecoming, we'll have our alumni game, and then we is Steve to... allowed to play in that? Yeah, you want, you want <laughs> He's not an alum, I, but I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think no. you want to see my show. <laughs> and obviously, our alumni is very talented every year. I mean, we got a lot of those guys that were on the Final Four team that they come back and play, and that's a lot. You of You can fun. get both Coach Kinnamans out there. You can I get know. Coachman out there. I, I <laughs> yeah. think we could have a heck of a team. We could have we could have a heck of a team. So, um, and then we go to Pratt for a jamboree. Actually, October nineteenth, we'll go down there and we'll play three JUCOs down there. So so that'll be it'll be good for us to see ourselves against some different competitions. Well, so. it's not like the old days. In the old days, you played four conference games before Christmas, oh. and then you came back, and it seemed like you played two or three every week. But now you play eight to nine conference games before Christmas, and you get into conference play so much earlier. It used to be December one was the you yeah. know that was the date when you started conference play, and now you start it like the first of November almost. It exactly. seems exactly. Like. Yep, and it's it puts a little bit of urgency to kind of figure out what your rotations are going to be. And, and kind of figure out roles. It puts a little a little bit more pressure on, on trying to figure that stuff out early because you don't want to dig a hole early in the conference season, that's for sure. Well, Coach T.J. Eskildson, best of luck these next couple of weeks, and I'll see if I can get a team together of <laughs> alumni that they'll let Steve and yeah. I play and stand there on the sidelines. Go. There we go. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. We're now wrapping up our McPherson College Coaches Show. Steve, we've got four of these in the books. Maybe the best one yet. Let's not say that because Coach Olson is walking by and he wasn't on this show. But it was a great show. It was jam-packed, all sorts of good stuff. We're glad to keep it going. And I always enjoy the uh, interviews with the student athletes to kind of find out where they came from, why they came to McPherson College. And, and very they have very positive reviews of McPherson College. And it seems like every athlete we had on has just been thrilled uh, that they're attending school here. That's right. All right, Steve, let's run through all the ways that you can watch or listen to this, of course. If you are finishing listening live at 96.7 FM, well, congrats, you've made it through. You're already done. You can always listen online as well at midkansasonline.com. If you're not around a radio or you're not in McPherson at the time that this show runs, we also post this on our podcast page at soundcloud.com slash Sports, And you can also watch the full video at the Mac Bulldogs YouTube. I think we knocked it all out there, Steve. I think we did. We had a busy day today.
That's right, and we have Bulldog football coming up on Saturday night at McPherson Stadium. We will have that broadcast here at MacBulldogs.com starting at 7 o'clock as the Bulldogs take on Tabor and will be looking for their first win. Yeah, and I think they can get it. They just get off to a little better start. Uh, you know, they've played great second halves in every game. They've uh, actually outscored their opponents in the second half this year. Well, Steve, it was a great show. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of us. <laughs> I'm proud of our coaches, our athletes. It was a great and show Jeremy. today. That's right, of course. And always, Jeremy Nelson, very proud of him. So we wrap up our McPherson College Coaches Show on 96.7 FM KBBE. The McPherson College Coaches Show is brought to you by JAR Performance Automotive, Alliance Agency, Next Tech Wireless, and Cheatham Construction. Thanks for listening to the McPherson College Coaches Show. You can listen to the show at our podcast page at soundcloud.com slash KBBE Sports or watch the video of all the interviews at macbulldogs.com.